Welcome to Cali Made Us Do It, a podcast on culture, social issues, and trends, rocking our worlds through our three different lenses, with your hosts, Alexander Tennant, Kristen Tony, and Jody Moore-Lewis. Oh, we should start bleeping my curse words. <laughs> but I say fuck, too. Because <laughs> they're fucking dead. So your mom can listen. Oh, yeah, Kathy. <laughs> How's your week's been, though? Like, we got to read your first pilot last night. That was fun. L.A. stuff, guys, where me and Alex uh, <laughs> and our very, very talented friend, Zach Colston, uh, finished our pilot. And so we did a table read. And Jody, round of applause, enter here. Uh, best narrator ever. How much do you guys love her voice? Come on. <laughs> best so voice you in the world. Honestly, have the best voice. Like, in the world. okay. Well, I, hire I, me for voiceovers, people. I want you to like record like a meditation and send it to me. So that's what I meditate to. Oh, I love that idea. You should sell meditation. I need to do some ASMR videos. Jody Moore Lewis on, yeah, on um, Insight Timer. Uh huh. If you're listening, Jody is selling meditation um, <laughs> videos. I mean, not videos, um, audio. So if you're interested, hit us up. Slide into our DMs. That'd be weird. If it'd be kind of creepy if someone was like, "Can you send me a video of you, <laughs> of, of you talking while I meditate?" Are you listening or are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Not creepy. No, right. And we just want to say thank you so much uh, for the feedback that we've had so far. It's been really incredible to hear how you've related, how you've laughed, how you felt part of the conversation. Like, that's really why we wanted to start this podcast. Yeah. So, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks for giving us a reason to keep going, guys. For sure. And as always, you know, we're taking suggestions, like the suggestion box is open. So if there's something that you want to hear us talk about, let us know. What else is happening in the world? Jody, um, you moved. Did we I can't remember if we talked about that last time. I think we've talked about it in every episode. Oh, okay. So we'll just cut that then. Um what else is going on? It's April. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So everyone in America is supposed to be vaccinated by is it end of April? No, they won't be vaccinated by, but they will have, they are, so April 1st was everyone over 50, at least in California. And then April 15th, every adult 16 and up, well, Pfizer for 16 and up, Moderna and Johnson Johnson for 18 and up, but you can get vaccinated. So, um, and most likely there will be a booster at the end of the year mm -hmm. for variants, but um yeah, I mean, hopefully I did my first vaccinated birthday last night. Everyone was at least, um, actually, I think everyone was fully dosed. So it was weird. It's like, is this normal? Like, I still kind of felt a little bad. Yeah. But also, I didn't feel bad at the same time. It was a confusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it felt a little bit liberating and a little bit scary. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like it's going to be a little bit weird getting back into it because, you know, like you're so used to like not being around people. So, yeah, I I went traveling um, last week and yeah, you celebrated your anniversary. Yeah, we celebrated our anniversary. We went up north uh, to the Napa Valley area. And, you know, I came back and I was telling Kristen, travel is really different now. Like everything is just a little bit different. There's that kind of like sense that you're orbiting around people because you need to be distanced. But obviously then a desire to be close to people and meet people and socialize. But yeah, I can imagine that things like birthday parties, baby showers, and, you know, all of those get togethers that we were so used to in the before times are going to be just like a little awkward, I think, to get started. Yeah. Well, it also like kind of felt like I'm like, oh, all of us are vaccinated, which was really great. And um, it was for one of my girlfriends who works at CORE with me. So we were fortunate to be vaccinated ahead of time. But it is like a weird, like, <laughs> it felt like we were being systemic like well only vaccinated people allowed so like is that going to be like the new division i don't know right i mean well 
don't know, cause like we don't. It doesn't really affect us. It affects them, the people that are unvaccinated. Right. Right. Well, speaking of vaccines, though, I found this really funny, um, funny little write up because, you know, stock photos, we use them for our Instagram. <laughs> Everyone should know what a stock photo is. It's basically like a free royalty free photo that you can use for like posting um, or write ups or whatever. So this one's titled, I'm an insecure stock photo of a vaccine vial, and this is my moment to shine. (laughs) And basically, it talks about how this vaccine, it's written by the vaccine vials, state of mind. And the vial is like, deep inside, I always doubted whether I had anything to offer. Sure, I hoped that one day I might be as valuable to the world as roasted coffee beans spilling from a burlap, burlap sack. I wondered whether I could make the same kind of contribution to society as happy family eating Italian food in garden. Mostly though, I felt like a big zero. But that's all in the past. My stock, pun intended, is skyrocketing. And it's finally my moment to shine, bitches. How do you like me now, man on park bench with laptop? No one's interested in illustrating a piece about the gig economy anymore because there's a global pandemic going on, if you haven't heard. As for you, banker bros high-fiving, no one wants to see your skin-on-skin contact, you infectious capitalist. Editors, Pinterest moms, hipster influencers, even anti-vaxxers looking to jazz up their pandemic post. They're all chasing me now. Hear that? Woman eating a salad and laughing? The joke's (laughs) on you. Hilarious. And basically he... Amazing. I don't know why I keep saying everything's a he, that it's like negative, but... Well... Well, you know me. <laughs> you know he. <laughs> Just kidding. We love, we, love he's. He, we love he's. We're all we unfortunately we're all heterosexual. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But basically this vaccine vial just goes off on a rant for like all the most popular stock photos that are used and basically is just like <laughs> talking shit to all of them. So I will link it because it's a fun, light read about vaccines. That's funny. Where where did you find that? Where is that from? It's in the New Yorker. Yeah, New that's Yorker, what it sounded yeah. like. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> oh, I mean, so Alex, I know you mentioned earlier about like how travel is different, but I also noticed that like, so we've been to restaurants eating outside too we've noticed a difference in like service and you know the way that people uh the staff interacts with the customers um but as somebody from the industry like i know how customers interact with service staff so it's really interesting to see because i feel like there might be a like a kind of like a switch a little bit just because you know like technically they're risking their lives uh for people and so i think that like people are taking less like abuse it's abuse um let's talk let's be real it's abuse when you come in and you think that you can talk to anybody anyway because you are spending your money there uh so um i i think that there might be a maybe a cultural shift in the way that we dine you might get less reactions to karens um it might be less tolerated because they have been at the forefront that sounds like a better world a little less karen yeah yeah sure (laughs) but not less karen Hey, <laughs> nice, Jody. You're on fire. Hey, <laughs> I want whatever coffee you had this morning. <laughs> oh my gosh, I must be at my peak. <laughs> That's a really good point, um, Kristen. I think that, you know, hopefully, my hope is that we all come out of this with a little bit more of a mutual respect for each other and understanding because we've all gone through this collective experience, right? It's not one group of people or another group of people. We all have gone through this really like traumatic time. And, you know, I, my hope is that I've, I come with understanding as a customer a client or a guest to a place that I frequent. And the flip side of that, you know, people that are working also should, or hopefully will have an understanding of, you know, like, for example, um, 
for myself and Daniel, when we went, you know, this is kind of a big trip for us. You know, we didn't go anywhere last year. I'm not sure that there's anything else planned for this year. So we, we are, we're looking to have a good time, get really great service, have people be attentive. We're looking for human interaction. Um, so I, I hope that there's kind of a mutual rebirth of respect that happens um, now that we're all able to interact with each other a little bit more and a little bit more empathy and understanding for what we've all been through collectively as a society, which was a really crazy traumatic year last year that I feel like I do feel hopeful that we're coming out of, you know, we do see like signs of hope everywhere, but things are going to be a little bit different. You know, they're, they're going to be a little off. Just to piggyback off of what Alex was saying, yes, uh, there has been times uh, like uh, we've had experiences where, um, and I I want to chalk, I think it, I chalk it up to like kind of inexperience. I think that a lot of people that are do have jobs at the moment don't have a lot of experience in hospitality. Um, however, I do like when she said like mutual respect, um, that service as somebody in the service industry that we are taking it case by case and we are not treating all customers as if they are karens and you know hearing them out to see what's going on so that you can fix the the problem accordingly if there was a problem you know like a big problem in the beginning um just hearing everybody out and taking it like I get it. There's the people that are unre- like unrealistic and like you know they have no clue how what goes on in a restaurant. But both me and Alex um, have a lot of experience with hospitality, and yeah. So yes, what Alex is saying, I totally agree. Mutual respect and understanding each other, caring for one another. Yeah, especially in these rough times. For sure. We even, cause I work with the training at core and we even tell a lot of people training to be on site, how, you know, even at a vaccination site, we want to give good customer service. Cause we don't know where people are coming from. You know, we don't know if this is their very first interaction coming out of the pandemic. If this is their first time being around people, they could be completely nervous getting the vaccination or they could be they could have lost someone from COVID and they're just in line. They've waited three hours and they're like, God, you know, like, and they could be complaining. Like, we don't really know where a person is coming from coming out of this situation. And I think, um, I, I can't remember who posted it. I'd, I'd love to find it in my archives on Instagram and post it on our, in our Instagram, but I reposted it. Cleo Wade did like a tweet from somebody and it was like, any of my friends who I've not heard from in 2020, I am not mad at you. It was a weird year from for all of us. I love you. I'm still here for you. I think we all deal have dealt with things and and we've heard from a lot of our friends from our last episode about the pandemic. People being like, "Oh, I wasn't alone in this. You know, I wasn't the only person feeling this way." Um, and that's still even if we're not alone, it's still there's so many variables to it. So customer, just mutual respect, full circle with that. Well, since you both have recently been out to eat and Alex, you went traveling, like, do you have any pointers for anyone who maybe hasn't gone out to the restaurants yet, or maybe is looking forward to future summer travel and, but they're a little nervous about like the etiquette or maybe what goes on with like the new COVID, um, in this new post COVID world, like, do you have any suggestions on etiquette or just like what to expect? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it honestly would be my same advice as, you know, again, in the before times, um, but really patience. Companies are working um, with less staff, less employees. Restaurants are not at full capacity, so there's less tables. So, you know, in LA, we're used to going to a brunch and waiting outside for 45 minutes, an hour for a table. You know, we're, we're still going to be seeing that, if not even more so. Um, I would say patience and planning, especially if you're taking a trip or a road trip, pack food, plan what your meals are going to be because the hours are crazy. I know some of the places that we stayed at, they had abbreviated hours. So they would close two hours earlier than usual or open two hours later um, because of staffing, because of the need to, you know, sanitize in between each customer. It's taking more time. So 
we've had to have patience the whole last year. I hope, you know, hopefully we've all learned to, to get to a good place with patience and have a good relationship with it. Um, but I would definitely keep that in mind, just patience and, um, pre-planning is going to help a lot when you're out and about, obviously the things that we already know, being prepared, having masks, hand sanitizers, we all, we all know that, but I think really just, even though we are eager, we still need to take a moment and realize that there are people on both sides that are really trying to make travel a good experience or dining a good experience, but it's, it's going to take some extra legwork if we all want to stay really safe, right? Like the, the goal is for us to be able to do the things that we normally do, but really safely and not um, putting our lives at risk and not putting those of the people that are working at risk. Everyone's been, it's hurt really financially. Most people have been hurt financially by this pandemic. So, you know, I understand when you do go out, you're like, you're ready to spend money. It's money that maybe you've been saving for that one dinner to have, you know, after you're vaccinated. Patience and planning, I would say are my two my two suggestions to keep in mind uh, as things start to open up. And I would like to say uh, that I know that we have a lot of people vaccinated and I know it seems like COVID is over, but people are still dying. So just keep that in mind. It's not over. I just had someone on my timeline really, really upset. It's really sad because people think that because we're vaccinated and things are opening up that people aren't dying, people are still dying. So let's do our part. And everything that Alex said, yes. Thank you. It's a good reminder. Cause yeah, it's still not, I mean, sure. I, we're still not in the clear. I mean, I needed it. Yeah. So it was just like, I, I felt it because I know what that, you know, I know what it feels like to scream to the world, like that you're tired of their shit. So it, I needed the reminder. I think it, I think we'll, you know, eventually find that it's going to be even a better experience. Like, again, I think that because it's something that everybody went through, we're, we're going to really like come out the other side and diners will be nicer. You know, wait staff will be more attentive. I, I, I think we'll get to that point, but there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be a lot of growing pains as we start to navigate this world that, you know, we, we can't ever go back. Right. So none of us expected this, but now going forward, we're always going to have in our brain that something like this could happen again. And, um, we have to, you know, put things in place and you have to manage expectations after something of this magnitude happens. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful. I think that we're going to get to a place where we have enjoyable experiences and, and maybe even one day, like it will be a, you know, remember that year, remember that time period, you know, while we're sitting on the rooftop drinking pretty cocktails. Um, but we're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. And we, you can't just, because you got the shot or whatever, like Kristen said, like it just doesn't go away because you decide that it goes away. <laughs> so I, I would say exactly. reassuringly, I, I do feel like we'll get there, but we're just not, we're just not back to normal yet. So let's, let's manage our expectations and be grateful for the progress that we've made so far. Yes. Which is what everyone says about millennials. So I think this is the perfect way. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Cause we're so awful. That was a very millennial. Manage our expectations. Yes. <laughs> well, I think this is the perfect time to um, get into our millennial episode. Let's do it. Hey. In our previous show, we mentioned a source for affordable mental health care. And today you'll be able to find the link in our show notes. So which one of you remembers the first time you had avocado toast? I blame... Los Angeles. I feel like it was when I moved out here, probably immediately in 2012. <laughs> uh, avocado toast. I'm trying to, I don't remember the first time I had it, but it, I know it was LA. I was in LA. Yeah, it was definitely LA. And I remember being like, has anyone put avocado on their toast before? 
blew my mind it got bigger and bigger though as the years go on it's like now it's like full-on salads on top of it yeah. <laughs> well according to an australian developer named tin gurner avocado toast is the reason that we're all broke um he made some comments on australians version of 60 minutes saying wasteful spending by young people is preventing them from becoming homeowners and from becoming financially free yeah i mean they're like 14 18 toast i mean and then when you get the full salad it's like a 25 dollar toast <laughs> <laughs> this overspending on brunches and avocado toast is often talked about when we're talking about millennials and the term millennial is thrown around to mean anyone right with a smartphone that's under the age of 40 but obviously the three of us know that that's not entirely accurate we did some crowdsourcing and asked our friends and family how you define a millennial so what what have you guys been hearing when you say what is a millennial to people around you well, I've learned that nobody knows the actual age group. <laughs> They're just like, anybody that's fucking up at the moment, like, that's a millennial. <laughs> like, like um, if we were, like, we got blamed on uh, COVID spikes. And they were like, yeah, the millennials, they're in college and they don't know how to sit down. And you're like, no, we're not. We're, we're, we're 30. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What to tell you? So that's what I've come up with. I tried to ask on, on one of my social media platforms, and I got like one response. I received more responses from millennials, but I did get a baby boomer response from my friend's mom, and she said the ones who are going to change our current world. So she's a she's a progressive baby boomer. Aww, Aww, amazing. Yes. Shout out to Anne. But um, I also got. A group judged by the group that made them that way. Someone youngish and cool with morals who also wants to be rich, but taxed accordingly. If you have a TikTok account, I kind of argued that was a little more Gen Z than millennial, but millennials are stepping up in the TikTok world, which I'm not sure how I feel about. No offense to my friends who have TikTok accounts. I just do feel TikToks are a little, a little more Gen Z in my view. That's a nice way of saying childish. <laughs> <laughs> we just you know we had our chance with um with vine I'm so <laughs> and then someone kind of went a little more in depth so he said on the positive side and he is also a millennial on the positive side the outstanding ones are driven hard-working punctual professional self-aware determined and confident on the opposite on the other they are Entitled, spoiled, not self-sufficient, blames others for their failures of successes, not confident, an air of they are a victim and someone owes me something. We live in the greatest country in the world. If you want something, you got to go get it. No one is going to hand it to you. Wow. Interesting. That's, um, it's a tough, but I would say fair assessment. Yeah. I, he, he tried to be fair. I think it's the, the, we want people to get everything to be handed to us thing that's just throwing me off it threw me off a little bit too because I have my own opinion you know of why we are the way we are why we can be seen as entitled but we can get into that you know as we get through the uh the questions obviously we're already seeing with the avocado toast thing and some of the responses from our family and friends that the actual term millennial and and how we're defined and how we're seen can be problematic so i was looking back at older generations first we have the greatest generation or the gi generation which i had never heard of before i don't know if either of you have but these were americans who lived through the great depression and fought in world war ii so our grandparents, for some of us, our great-grandparents, they were born 1924 or earlier. The next would be the traditionalists or silent generation. I think our grandparents probably fit a little more into this generation. These are people born between 1925 and 1945. They really helped shape 20th century pop culture. A lot of these are filmmakers, artists, television legends. And uh, fun fact, no one from this generation has ever been president. Oh, wow. Wow, that's crazy. They truly are the silent generation. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> no, accurately I mean, named. No disrespect. They they did a lot of they did a lot of art. Yeah, the arts. I mean, I would say that shapes you a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's like a calling out kind of culture in a way. Yeah. And next up, we have the boomers who are our parents. I think each one of our parents is a boomer. Yeah, my mom was born in 1952. Uh, The boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. They were part of the post-war baby boom. So everybody came back from World War II and started making babies. Bow chicka wow wow. (laughs) Bill Clinton was actually the first boomer to become president. And they went from 2.4 million boomers in 1946 to 72.5 million in 1964. So lots of procreation was happening. And I think we talk a lot about this generation because there are a lot of them. I mean, I can't imagine my, my husband being away from war for so long. I'd be popping out some babies too. This is kind of the era too when um, birth control starts coming into play, right? It's like kind of on that cusp. You guys, 70 million differences a lot. That's a lot of people. A lot of kids. That's a lot of babies. Woo, child care back then. A lot of babies. Mm-hmm. You know, we had been on the winning side of the war, so our economy was getting a little better. Industry was getting a little better. So a lot was going on during this 1946 to 1964 time period. And right after that, we have our Gen X, or they're also called 13ers. And I had never heard that term before I started researching this, but these are people born between 1965 and 1979. So I would say some of our parents may be cuspy. I have two sisters who are uh, Gen Xers. When I think of Gen X, I think of like Spice Girls and New Kids on the Block and uh you know, kids that maybe were born in the mid to late 70s that grew up in the 80s with the big perms and like the Jane Fonda workout wear. Can we actually um, insert here Spice Girls Generation X song? Hey. Generation X, Generation X, Generation. (laughs) And of course, right after Generation X are millennials or Gen Y. These are kids born from 1980 to the late 90s. In 2014, the number of millennials in the United States eclipsed the number of baby boomers, according to the Census Bureau. Uh, About 39% of millennials aged 25 through 37 have a bachelor's degree or higher, which is a larger percentage than previous generations. In 2016 was the first year any millennial was eligible to run for president. According to a Pew Research study in 2017, more millennial households are in poverty than by households headed by any other generation. Uh, millennial households dominate the ranks of the nation's renters. About half of cohabiting households are headed by a millennial. So people living with friends, people living with family members who aren't their parents, roommates. And among heads of household, millennials in 2016 became the generation with the largest number identifying as multiracial. That's a nice statistic. Yes. So we're clearly more diverse than um, older generations, but maybe not as much as the one after us, which is Gen Z or iGen or Centennials. I had never heard that they had been called iGen before, but these are kids born in the late 90s to the early 2010s, and they're set to be the most diverse group that live in metropolitan areas and mostly Western states. We can see that. For sure. We could definitely feel that uh, the uh, the effects of that happening. I really loved this article I found from Vice. <laughs> what Gen Zers really think of millennials, and I just wanted to say a, def- a few of the quotes from these Gen Zers. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear. They grow a basic thing like a fruit or a vegetable, and they're like, "Wow, I didn't kill it." <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many BuzzFeed quizzes you can take until you really have to know yourself. Hilarious. (laughs) I see so many of my millennial friends doing those BuzzFeed quizzes on on Facebook. They said, unlike the millennials, we're not in denial. (laughs) Okay, I felt a little offensive to that one. Ooh, shots fired. 
they are definitely in denial with their utopia mindset but (laughs) (laughs) and this one i'll end with this one they try to gatekeep 90s culture I've never seen an episode of Friends, and I don't have any intentions to do so. I don't think they even find it that funny, but because they grew up with it, they want to make sure everyone knows it's the funniest thing. Hilarious. Wow, they are savage. Yeah. (laughs) The gatekeepers of 90s culture. Well, I'll take it. I mean, yeah. (laughs) That was our childhood. Come on, there was another article with a guy that said, you know, millennials have never known life, have never shopped without a smartphone in their hands. And for for us, for the three of us, we didn't get smartphones until we were in college, probably about 2008 or 2009. We did not grow up with computers in our homes. We had telephones that were hooked onto the wall, <laughs> you know, with telephone cords. I remember when my family first got a, a call box, a caller ID box. I remember before caller ID boxes where you didn't know who was calling when you answered the phone. And it was a big deal if I had some friends have their own phone line. I didn't, but some people had like a, a ex- different number at the end, which would be their phone line. So cool. I looked up people in the phone book before. I have... I, man, I don't even know. The first time I remember having like, and computers are way different than they were when I was learning how to use computers. Like they're dial up. Oh yeah. You guys will never know what it's like to not be able to use the internet if your mom was on the phone. For sure. (laughs) Stop playing with me. Gen Zers, just so you know what it's like to wait for your mom to get off the computer. If you've ever been somewhere where too many people were on the Wi-Fi, there you go. Or even like wait, wait for what it's like to watch a TV show once a week. You can't, we couldn't even binge until our 20s. And forget it. If you missed the first season, you got to wait till the reruns come on. Oh yeah. So you're SOL. You just got to take everybody's word for it. It was great. (laughs) yeah like come on we remember most I would say millennials remember a time before we had technology at our fingertips Mm -hmm. we are the perfect blend of vintage and modern exactly exactly (laughs) I wish you could see my face it's real sassy right now real sassy she's mic (laughs) dropping with that sassiness mic drop we will link this in the show notes but Goldman Sachs has a really great interactive infographic map They highlight the value of access versus ownership for millennials. So they say that our generation really prefers a sharing economy with no burden of ownership a lot more than generations like our parents. So that might explain why we're not buying as many houses or making as many um, investments as our parents did in other generations. We kind of like the flexibility of, you know, being able to change our mind. I think... Compared to our parents, they grew up in a world where it's almost you do X, Y, and Z, you get a job, and you're in that job for decades. You know, my my mother-in-law has been in her position for like 30 years, you know, about to retire at the same job. And I don't really think those opportunities are given to us as millennials because we have a lot of startups. The tech industry is completely new compared to a lot of these big pharma or factory companies that have been around for a while. And we do jump around because of, you know, not just security, but with the fact that like a company can merge or, or downsize or close shop. And then it's on to the next thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, when we're like talking about integrating like wellness and in and health and wellness into our everyday lives when you think about like what you learn from your parents what you see them go through I think a lot of us saw them working really really hard we saw that they went to college and they got a a job not that there's anything wrong with it because this is what they aspired for but I feel like that's what their goals were were to have a well-paying job that supports their family and I feel like we were the first generation to be like, hmm, I think we want a little bit of happiness, you know? 
Well, we're able to travel more, like it's more accessible to travel. It's not just an elite thing or a business thing. Mm -hmm. We're able to kind of go after the careers we really want versus just doing something to, because your family is the most important thing, which is amazing, but we're able to kind of start our families later and focus on career and really figure out what it is we want as individuals to do for ourselves and not just for the family purpose. Yeah. So I think that kind of ties into like our health and wellness. Like we're more, we don't want it to just be work. Like our goal isn't to work, to buy a home, just to go to work, to pay for a set home for the rest of our lives. Like there's more to it, if that makes sense. We saw a lot of divorces. We saw a lot of like unhappy households. We saw a lot of family portrait by pink, you know, like where every, for the outside, it looks like, oh, they have it all and everything's great. Uh, and on the inside, it's just like they, they're not taking care of their wellness. And especially in the black community, mental health, you couldn't talk about that before. I want to say like three years ago, like people just started talking about it out loud, out loud. There are full grown adults that go away to war and they see death and they come back messed up. These are people that have seen it their entire lives. Their, their whole brain is formed around it. And the young rappers that lived that life and got out and were able to get help and able to get mental health are now reaching out from seeing people killed from early ages. But yeah, I, I agree. It's just a different, when it comes to ownership and, and wellness, I feel like a lot of people are choosing I'm going to own my own business for my own mental health. So here's a question for both of you. Now that we've kind of heard the facts and statistics about this generation that, you know, we belong to and this term that's kind of thrown around and isn't always used accurately. Do you guys get offended by being called a millennial? I mean, like what have been some of your personal challenges that you face that maybe your parents just don't quite understand, or you have younger siblings or younger friends that just don't quite understand uh, some of the choices that you make? I, I don't mind being called a millennial. I'm pr perfectly proud of being in this era and being in this transition period of growing up without the world at our fingertips and then going into the world at our fingertips via like the internet and computers and smartphones and all of that. But I do take offense when people say that we're whiny or we, you know, we're not smart with our money or we're not, um, we think things should be handed to us because I don't think necessarily that is the case. I think we have a way to use our voices more so than most other older generations have and we're using them. We don't want to settle and we want to fight for a better life for people that don't look like us. I mean, I'm, I know that there's, I'm grouping us all into one lump sum and there's lots of nuances to millennials, but you know, I think we realize life is more than just ourselves, which is why we tend to buy the, the expensive latte from the little local store versus, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts because it's helping this little tiny coffee shop that is for the community. And we understand that buying from smaller stores or self-owned stores is going to be more expensive. They don't get the price cuts like Amazon or Target or Walmart or anything like that. So we don't mind dishing out the money to help others more. We don't mind having smaller homes because we don't have the time to stay home and clean. A lot of us are working. If you have kids, you are also working. If, if you're able to not have to pay for childcare, which also is a whole nother conversation. But I think that we do work hard and we want a lot of ourselves, want a lot for ourselves. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. I think that's an empowering thing. And we're still trying to navigate a world where especially for us just being in our thirties, when we graduated college, we were in a, um, recession. Yes. A re I was going to say depression. I was like, that is not right. Maybe some people were in a depression, but yeah, we were in a recession. Jobs were not plentiful. Jobs were not inspiring. They were all pretty much sales jobs, which are great. They're needed, but 
having a college degree didn't guarantee you a job. You almost had to stay in school and get your master's to be guaranteed a specific job that you wanted, which is also more money that we all don't have unless you have a scholarship. And I just think there's a lot, there were a lot more hurdles for us as millennials with this transition of the housing market, this transition, the technology market. And we had to kind of think on our feet and fly by the seat of our pants to figure it out and become successful in our own way. I am not, a f- just like Jody. I'm not offended when people call me a millennial. Of course, if, it, if it's followed by something like we just want everything handed to us, then yeah, I'm going to be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> because literally nothing was handed to us. <laughs> we literally had to make something out of nothing, you know, and that's what a lot of us are doing. And it inspired a whole generation under us to be like, you know what? Yeah, we don't have to spend a whole lot of money on college if we're not going to get a degree or if it doesn't, you know, have a specialty. Like we inspired our whole generation younger than us to fight for the America that a lot of our parents wanted to see. I'm proud to be a millennial because I know what it really means. I know what it really means to be told you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket and then grow up to have a calculator in your pocket. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I can't wait to get to the place that you guys are. Um, Cause I do feel like I definitely take offense. You know, I, I feel like I have a deep sense of betrayal um, for, you know, what we were told when we were growing up versus how things actually turned out. It was the whole story of the American dream as Jody mentioned, you know, we came out of school during a recession and things changed and it's not necessarily Gen X or even the boomers fault that things changed. Uh, the, the tech renaissance, I don't think anybody saw it coming or the dot-com boom or, or any of that. I'm hoping that relief comes soon, specifically for those of us that do have student loan debt myself and a lot of other people that I went to school with, you know, we're told you go to school, take out the loans. It doesn't matter. You'll get a good job and pay them back. (laughs) And it's caused a lot of setbacks for, you know, a lot of people. And there's actually a really great mini doc um, that we'll also link to uh, that Investopedia did on YouTube. While watching it, it, it was these mixed emotions because part of me felt really angry that this is that we're still facing these challenges as a generation, these financial challenges. And then part of me felt a little soothed by the fact that I'm not alone in it. You know, we're all kind of going through a version of it our ourselves. Kristen, you you did mention our generation's importance and value uh, on balance, on really balancing our lives, our work-life balance, our mental health, following dreams that our parents didn't follow because they followed the work hard, work for a big company and, you know, you'll be fine and, and live to work and work just to survive. I'm definitely excited to see people of our generation going out on their own, taking risks, being bold enough to live a life that we design ourselves and not a life that a big company or corporation designs for us. Yeah. And just to piggyback off, off that, we're also met with a lot of judgment by society. You don't own a home, so that means you're not successful. You don't have kids yet, so that means you're not a true woman. You're figuring out your identity still. Like, Why didn't you figure that out before? And we, we challenge society because I think those challenges made us want to be more authentic and true to who we are and what we want and doing things differently because we were kind of forced onto a different path that was untraditional in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that kind of non-tradition, Kristen, you were saying we inspired the next generation um, to kind of be themselves and not follow the crowd. I hope that, you know, this new administration, they're promising some kind of 
uh, student debt relief that I think will change a lot of lives. And I think it will change the trajectory of what we do own, what we do invest in, the companies that we do start going forward. Because I think that there's so much potential built up in people our age in their 30s. When those ties are broken free, I'm really excited to see what we do in terms of activism, in terms of philanthropy, in terms of, uh, you know, helping our communities grow and expand, but you, ha you have to have resources for it. Um, I have so many friends that have, you know, so many brilliant ideas and, and great strategies and, and so, so much talent, but they're really held back by the systems that are currently in place. So I'm super excited to see what happens next for our generation. I'd love to also, sorry, just keep you just keep inspiring me, Alex, with whatever you're saying, but the world constantly changes. We're all byproducts of what we see from our parents, of what we see of the world. And we want to like go forth, making it better and different and adaptable. So it just blows my mind sometimes when people like look down on the younger generations when they were there too. Like I'm looking at the different generations that you spoke about, the greatest generation with the great depression. And they brought out the traditionalists or the silent generation who created all this art. And I can't help to think that those children were seeing their parents and probably how much struggle they went through. But maybe what got them through it were books or art. And that's why they ended up creating more and giving that out. It's just, it just shows that like, we're just seeing what the older generations are doing and not discrediting or discounting, but seeing like what society or the world brought onto them and changing it our own way. And our children are going to do that for us too. And it's, they're going to have this whole conversation and who knows if we'll be like, oh, those gen generation triple A'ers, <laughs> what are they doing with the world? But like, it just goes to show that it just keeps evolving and, and, and each generation has had a hard, something hard happened to them. I, f I don't know why it's so misunderstood that I don't know why we're misunderstood. I guess that's my rant. <laughs> Stop misunderstanding us. <laughs> we have to get on the same page about how to move forward because obviously technology isn't going anywhere. Um, we've been able to integrate it into our lives. And of course, Gen Z has been able, they, they're the real digital natives. They really have lived in a world where there's only, you know, ever been computers. Um, and then, you know, an older generation that has their own ideals about how things should be done and how systems and processes should be done that have worked in the past, but maybe don't work as well right now. What do you think will bridge the gap between us and a generation of people that are still lawmakers and still decision makers and still, you know, owners of these big companies and corporations. I think that just like you said, we're, we're the, we're that middleman, right? Like, you know, like J. Cole says with his song, Middle Child, and he's, even though he's talking about rappers, it's definitely how our generation feels all together. Like we're bridging the gap of people before tech because we live that life and people after tech because they haven't lived that life. So we're kind of the only people that can be like, well, you got to understand that they didn't have access to, uh, if they lived in a small town all by themselves, they didn't have access to see a real experience of somebody that lived in an inner city, a bigger city, uh, a different country you know they're able to learn from their computers about china or india or london like we we the, uh, our younger generation has access to learn about cultures without actually I, I still think that like you have to visit the place to really get your own full idea but you know what i'm saying you have some other experience other than what you've been told so i think in answer to your question, I think that we are what is going to bring both gener or all generations together. Uh, to we, our job pretty much is to play the middle man. Yeah. I, I like, I like that. We're kind of the glue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think it's going to take personally patience because we need a lot of compassion and and understanding from the older generations. Cause like you said, Kristen, we've had opportunities to 
dive into other cultures and other experiences and understand that our experience isn't the only lived experience. Even us three, we all have different experiences. And, and when we, we, in America, we have such an individualistic mindset, which you should advocate for yourself and fight for yourself and, and live the life that you want for yourself. But it's almost like it's not an empowering individualistic mindset. It's a very selfish one where we don't think of the other. We don't think outside of ourselves. And I may be reiterating something that I said a little earlier on, but we have had this beautiful chance where we've been able to connect with others social media, say what you want about it. Like I definitely think there's good and bad to it for sure, but we're able to read and hear comments and see videos and perspectives. I think that's what allows us to understand change and understand that things don't remain the same. And even if something is the same for you in that same moment, it's not the same for someone else. I feel like once you understand that, that's the very first opening to building that bridge. When we have a generation that, the, you know, they've lived, what, 40 to 100 years at this point, set in this one way where in this one mindset, how do you chip away from that to get them to understand the bigger picture? And I think that we've seen that being millennials and, you know, you were saying kind of the glue or the middle, the middle man, the middle, the middle woman to, to each side. And we've been able to see first and foremost, our parents grow in certain ways and what they've had to deal with and how different it was that maybe we have a little bit of an understanding of where they're coming from, but, but we need that from them as well for us and for the younger generation to continue to evolve and to grow in a healthy way. Hot gives, hot gives, hot gives. What you got ladies, what you got for me? Okay, hot gives, I can start. Yeah, hot gives, hot gives. Give it to us, Kristen. That doesn't rhyme. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you, you know, you got to try. You got to sound it out to see if it works. You know, that's what rappers do. Um, yeah. <laughs> so my hot give is actually going to be um, my friend Julie Lavery just released a new song called The Answer. Um, and I really, really like it. Alex me and Alex are big fans. Like, and it's not I'm just say she's my friend too. <laughs> we are big friends. Um, we really, really love her music. She's really, really talented. She's uh, got a little TikTok following now. So I'm super, super proud of her. Um, but yeah, she just moved to Nashville. She just said she was going to keep going and you guys should listen to it. It's really, really good. If you, It feels kind of like kind of folk. Uh, but like mixed with like culture country folk but like a little bit of rock like it's it's really cool and her her husband uh helped produce it and he's amazing as well they had they had a group together they're called the draw uh the old music was called the draw and then they were the running mates but all of their music is so great um so yeah it's on every platform where music is streamed Go check it out. It is on Spotify, Julie Lavery, L-A-V-E-R-Y. Um, she's one to watch. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen. So my hot give, broken record, I moved. So the past few weeks have just been like a little chaotic and I've lost a little bit of my self-care. At the beginning of, at the end of 2020, I purchased Cleo Wade's Heart Talk, the journal. I haven't read her um, Heart Talk book uh, of poems, but I did her journal because I'm a big fan. And it's a weekly self-love, self-care, and self-discovery journal. So it gives you prompts and that's what you write for the week. And because I missed probably three weeks, I, I've been looking at it kind of daily this past week. And it's been really nice to catch up on the prompts and um, reconnect to that side. I'm a big fan of journaling and writing things out, but I'm especially a fan when I'm given like a specific thought to process. 
I just wanted to share it with people. You don't need to start it at the beginning of January. Like you can, it could be like a milestone book that you want to start your journal when you turn a certain age or when it starts, you know, we just had spring or just whenever it calls to you. But I just highly suggest it because I'm not really good with keeping things up daily, but weekly has been pretty manageable. She also has like a few of her own poems throughout the book to kind of really empower and inspire you. It's just really simple journal prompts and words of encouragement and um, love for yourself and your body and your mind. And I've just really been enjoying it. And I just wanted to share it if anyone's looking for a new way of self-care to add into their weekly routine. Or you know what? Whenever feels good for you. You don't have to follow the weekly process, whatever works. So that's been my, that's my hot give because it's definitely given me a lot coming back to it this past week. I love that. I love that. And you'll link it in the show notes for us. A hundred percent. And I will make sure it's from like a black owned bookstore (laughs) and not Amazon. (laughs) Come on. That's the kind of ally we like. (laughs) All right. Um, My hot give is a little bit of a shameless self plug. Um, Kristen and I and our writing partner, Zach, have been working on a television pilot comedy script um, since about October of last year. And, um, you know, we started this in a pandemic when we really couldn't go out and we really couldn't see people. And it started from the spark of an idea. And during the whole pandemic, I've been working full time, plus producing this podcast with you guys, plus writing um, the script and being a wife and daughter and friend and all of those other things. And, you know, it at times it's hard to find motivation when you when the future seems unclear and uncertain. And I'm so proud of us, all of us, including, you know, our team with you, Jody, for committing to something, setting aside the time for it. And I just want to pass along the message. If there's something that you want to do, even taking, like you said, Jody, an hour a week to put towards it, it is unbelievable what happens uh, six months, a year down the road. And I have always heard this and I've always heard set time aside and little progress is still progress, but it's so, so true. And we really saw it last night when we had our table read, you know, this was, I think maybe max four hours a week spread over two or three days that we put into this. But six months later, we have this product. We have this, this thing that we created. That's our baby. And for this podcast was almost a year until it came full circle, but we have this really beautiful project. And I think making that commitment to yourself to give yourself that time, whether it be journaling or whether it be just one hour working on that pro- that project, the progress that you'll see will make you feel so good and will motivate you to to keep going. And I think you'll just be amazed at what you can do. You'll really, really be amazed. And I never, I always thought, you know, all or nothing, or, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to give up everything to get started. All you have to do is start and all you have to do is commit. And for me, I, I've always been in school. I was never like a group project person. I was always like, I'm going to do it myself. I want full control for me, the collaborative process and having people keep me accountable, having you guys keep me accountable, knowing that I have to show up for something and I really have to bring something to the table has been a game changer for me. I love working in a group now. I love being accountable. I love not wanting to let um, the people on my team down whether it's one person or two people or three people that can keep you accountable um, and work together. It's, it's the rising tide, right? When the tide rises, everybody rises up. And uh, I just, that's, that's my give. I would say get started and, and don't judge how much time just spend, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes and you'll get there and you'll be so proud of yourself down the right. And you'll thank yourself, you know, your former self for, the work that you decided to do or the time that you decided to do or focus and attention that you put towards something. Is Alex our designated hype girl on this podcast? Because I'm already hyped. I'm like, what can I do? What project can I do now? I'm like, let's go. Like, I'm, I mean, welcome to, welcome to my life, Jody. Welcome to my life. 
<laughs> and I'm off of my soapbox. I like you on your soapbox. Thank you for listening to Callie Made Us Do It. If you liked our episode, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. It will help in the charts. You can follow us on Instagram at Callie Made Us Do It. We'd also like to thank Robocop for our theme music. Callie Made Us Do It is edited and produced in-house by the three of us, Jody, Kristen, and Alexandra. See you next week with our next episode.